Hey, welcome back. Dan Blute here. This is a Dear Baseball Gods episode 57. And man, the episode's are really piling up. So a couple of things uh, I want to mention real quick. So if you, uh, if you do enjoy the show and you want to help me put out more content, number one, hit the subscribe button on YouTube, subscribe on iTunes. Uh, you know, you'll get notified anytime I put out new stuff and I'm trying my best to put out new videos, a podcast every week, a couple uh, instructionals each week, tons of stuff on Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, all that. So uh, subscribe and feel free to follow up with me. Secondly, if you're not on my email list, um, I'll just send out notifications every week, just give you a little bit of an update what's going on and also uh, some of my new content. So typically I'm four emails a month, maybe two, but if you don't yet subscribe, feel free to jump my website any of the uh, the opt-ins for a free ebook. I have tons of great knowledge that I want to give you for free in exchange. So if you uh, if you're not yet a member, definitely jump on that. So this week, what I want to what I want to talk about is uh, really just the long-term aspect of being away from the game. Whether this is the uh, the fall, whether this is in- injury, whether it's winter, um, whether it's uh, you know graduating, it doesn't really matter. Being away from baseball is, I think, one of the biggest challenges uh, as far as coming back from an injury. And I know some of the questions I've gotten from the couple injured clients that I work with from afar, uh, the questions that I've gotten on, on Instagram, on Twitter, people asking, like, how did you come back from Tommy John? Because I've had it twice, obviously. And, uh, like, what did you do to help your rehab along? So I figured today I'd, I would discuss how hard it is to be away from the game when you know you're, you're going to be on the shelf for a while and uh, some of the ways to cope with that. Because I think a lot of times that's the hardest aspect, especially of a surgical recovery, because it's such a long road back where it's easy to kind of forget what baseball looks like. It's kind of easy to to forget the passion that you have for it and then just sort of fade out and, and that sort of it. So obviously uh, a number of, of bigger name prospects and major leaguers fell down to, uh, to Tommy John recently. Um, the young flamethrower from the White Sox recently underwent, I think, his or is going to undergo his second. So it's something that continues to bite all of us. But the biggest thing for me that I struggled with during either of my surgeries uh, was that I just felt so far from the game. And so if you remember, if you've listened to previous podcasts, I've, I've spent four and a half years, including my last season when I, when I was released and then retired, um, really more like five years on the shelf from a combination of shoulder injuries, elbow injuries, all that stuff. And uh, just the timing of it can make, you know, a a Tommy John surgery one year or it can easily make it two years. So in the case of uh, Otani, who just blew his out and is, I think, going to undergo surgery anytime soon, you know, he's going to miss the whole next season just because of the timeline. And then for me, with two August surgeries, they're both in August, you know, I wasn't ready to pitch even in that second year. So then I had to go through the entire off season again, which made my recovery before I was back in a competitive game, you know, closer to like 20 months, something like that. So it gets really, really long when, and, and at some point you feel like I just, I could just get a job and, you know, like I, I guess I don't miss baseball as much as I used to, but so just to recap the, the, uh, the way the surgery or any major surgery goes like this, obviously you get surgery and then you go home and you're just in like this woe is me kind of phase for a while where you look at your arm, you look at your knee, uh, you look at whatever, and you're kind of like, is this really my life? And uh, it takes a little while to cope and kind of get over it 
where you know you had this beautifully functioning arm or leg or whatever it was and now you look down at it and it just like has no life it, like you have the strength of a not even of an infant and it just seems so far away we were then we had a sprint like you used to jump like you used to throw and run and and pitch like you used to so the one of the big challenges is just that mental hurdle like man like i'm so far away and you know what's mapped out ahead of you you know it's nine months you know it's six months you know it's 12 months or whatever it is and uh it just gets really really tough to to, to see that far in the distance so in that first couple of weeks you know your strength starts to come back a little faster you can start to squeeze things and you know you can start to to jostle it around a little bit again depends on the surgery but for me, the early parts are just so, like, I'm so far away from everything. This is so boring. I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, you can't exercise the same way, and you're just kind of trying to grit through it. And there's no, like, big, easy recommendation except trying to distract yourself, trying to find other things that you're passionate about. And unfortunately for athletes, so much of your psyche and your identity is tied up in, in your sport and what you do every single day for it that when you don't have it in any capacity at all, it just you're just kind of like well what do I do and I know that when I let go of baseball when I retired I that whole next year was like why am I getting out of bed today like what am I doing like what what's my goal in life now you know and that's that's a whole nother podcast episode and it's one I've done before uh, but you know the the costume that you wear suddenly like you have to put it in the closet like you don't know what it is that your purpose is what are you doing and there's a lot of that identity stuff too rolled into surgery or just anytime you're away from your sport for a long time it's just uh it's just one of those things where you it's tough to find yourself and figure out why you're coming why you're coming back what you're doing and uh like who you are in the process because for a long time you're just like not an athlete you're this guy with this messed up arm this messed up leg whatever it is and uh it's just like the farthest thing like who you used to be the things you could do you're just like not that person right now and just it just feels you feel very broken and you can feel very alone and helpless and it's just like again it's like so far in the future and there's not a darn thing you can do about it to speed the process up so that's one of the really tough things following any surgery and i know other players feel it just the same as i did and uh you know it's super cliche but you really just have to take it one day at a time and you're like, all right, well, I made it to sleep tonight. I'm going to wake up in the morning and then I got to make it the next day. And that's not how you want to live. You don't want to live day to day and sleep to sleep, trying just to like piece it together to get back to baseball. Like hopefully you have other things in your life, you know, people around you and other things that you can do. But for a while, a lot of times you're just like immobile and you just like really can't do a whole lot. So it's one of those scenarios where you, uh, you're just like, your identity as a person is like a little bit fractured and that's one of the things that really goes with the uh, the whole surgery aspect you know so it's it's problematic and there's not a whole lot I think that can be said or done for it you just have to have good people around you you have to try to stay positive you just have to try to like do something that kind of energizes you and gets you out of bed for that whole first couple months because at that point you're just like doing so little and you're such a shell of your former athlete self that you know, there's just a, uh, it's just a challenge. So after the first couple months, you start to have function back, you know, maybe you get out of your brace or maybe you're walking around again, you're not on crutches, whatever it is. Cause again, like my, my experience with Tommy John surgery is 
the the little nitty gritty day to day details of obviously like I'm rehabbing my elbow as opposed to like a shoulder or a knee or whatever it is or a back. Uh, those details are different because the surgery is different, but the day to day stuff is all the same. Like you, you go get your treatment. You have, you know, your, your PT is a big part of your life and, uh, your physical therapist is a big person in your corner and a big person in your life. And, uh, they help guide you and, and mentor you through the whole thing. But once you start to get some mobility back, it becomes exciting where you start to like, okay, I can do something new today and I get to do something new on Wednesday. And now, uh, you know, two months later I get to do this next thing. Cause I'm going to go see the doctor and he's going to clear me to do more things. So the whole process continues to evolve as you uh as you start to get your baby feet back underneath you like you get to walk again you start to like progress and that becomes a lot more exciting where you're like okay i can work hard today like i can have a really good pt session i can i can go out and jog and i can go out and walk and uh, i can do all these things and then basically from there we can uh you know we can go and so as you're starting to move forward and things are getting better and you can do more and more things, then again, it just starts to spiral and you start to feel like your old self. You start to feel like, you know, you are in the gym when you first started working out, like you started to, to learn how to do new things. You started to get stronger from week to week. You started to get faster, like, you know, your velocity came up, your, you know, all that stuff. You, you start to feel the same progression, the same way you used to feel, you know, any athletic endeavor. So. At that second couple months, it gets a lot more exciting because you're preparing yourself and you can start to feel like a next phase coming, you know, for, for obviously for pitching injuries, it's, it's the, uh, Hey, like I'm getting close to throwing, like I'm two months away from throwing now and the prospect of throwing again, even though it's, you know, if you look at my, my YouTube channel, uh, the Tommy John Chronicles, I, I chronicled my second surgery and every week I took a video showing what I was doing. And it's funny as I go back and look through them. I'm like, man, like I have a better personality than that. Like I'm like kind of funny sometimes like, God, why are these videos so horrible and depressing? And like, ugh, I wish I had put some color into them and like made them a thing. But that was also an accurate <laughs> representation of how I felt in life in general. You know, I was in front of the camera, which, you know, at that age, uh, I was still like somewhat new to, to being in front of the camera. Like I did YouTube videos and all that in my first couple years as a strength coach and uh, with my blog, I've been blogging for almost 10 years now, but still at that point, like 20, well, I guess that was a 26. I was just like, not super comfortable talking into the camera. Like here's me as a person, you know, being vulnerable and, and going through all this stuff. And that was obviously one of the intents and purposes of me filming that sort of like year long documentary, but God, I was just like super boring and, uh, very just matter of fact, because that's kind of how I felt. I'm like, I just, I just want to come back. I just want to, uh, I just want to like be me again. And this is what I did today and I'm looking forward to the next thing, but this is what I did today. This is how I feel. And, uh, there wasn't a whole lot of, I don't know, rah, rah, rah from me because I just had such a, a vision on the future that I found it tough to stay focused on today. Like I wasn't like a, yeah, I can like, I can throw 60, 61 miles per hour now. Like I was just like, ah, 61 sucks like let's get back to 90 and uh you know i'm doing one pound dumbbells now i'm doing four pound dumbbells like there's no there's no trophy for that but it was just uh it was a long-term process and i've always been that kind of person who looks pretty far ahead 
where I can like grit through a lot of stuff now because I'm not really focused on, I'm focused in the future. And so, you know, but I know that in those months leading up to the, or the couple of weeks, especially leading up to throwing again, I was getting a lot more excited to do things that were like putting me on the fast track to get back finally. Right. So if you look at my, uh, my, my Tommy John Chronicles, the first day I threw it was just like these awful lot, these awful lobs and, uh, you know, you look through and you're like, wow, like that's where I started, just like 32 miles per hour. You know, I, I threw to a radar gun my second surgery. And uh, it's just like almost painful to go back and watch doing it, but that's how it is. It's very step by step. And even then, you're like, man, this is all I can do. This is like pathetic. This is depressing. You know, I, I'm throwing 40 miles per hour today, and how am I ever going to get back to 90? So in the next three to four to five, six months, everything gets a lot better because you start to become you again. So once you start throwing, you're clear to lift, you're clear to run more. So you have like a relatively normal day-to-day regimen. And the only thing that's missing is like obviously in-game competition and just the, uh, the, the throwing that you would normally do. But everything else that all the other Division One athletes were doing or all the other pro athletes were doing was they were lifting, they're running, they're doing their arm care, they're doing all this other stuff. So you still get all that. So you start to feel a little more like you, like a little bit of your identity starts to come back. And, uh, and that's one thing that I feel like really started to perk me up was that, okay, like most, like, I feel like myself, like my routine that I had when I was healthy is this mostly the same routine that I have now, even though I'm rehabbing, even though I'm still six months away. And when you have that routine, you're working hard, you can go out and, all right, I did my things today. Like I really, I really inched myself forward and, uh, I wake up and I'll do it again tomorrow. So you start to just like fill your day with more meaningful things that start to like make you feel whole again because again you so much of your identity is kind of fractured and you just feel not whole for a long time right after surgery you feel just incapable of anything meaningful so once you start throwing you know and for acl rehabs like we've done a bunch of these in my academy once they start they can like do some some lunges they can do some bodyweight squats they can start to jog you just like start to see them change like they start to feel like okay this feels like athletics again right this feels like me again and then you're kind of in like that last phase but this is kind of like it's kind of like a false summit so here's the problem and i'll use an analogy of the uh the colorado springs uh it's called the manitou um, manitou incline so if you've ever been to Colorado Springs and you want to feel like death, you should go to Pikes Peak. And there's this thing, it's like a mile and a quarter cut straight up into the this like first peak. And it's called the incline. It's like these big like eight by eight square like railroad ties that just make steps all the way up this super steep mountain. And I think at like that 0.8 mile mark or something like that, it's uh it's very close to the top. Maybe like you're maybe like 80, 80% done you see the top and you're like, oh, I'm, I'm almost there, but it's a false summit because basically it goes up like this and then it levels off. It's slightly less inclined above it, but you can't see the, the top. So it's a, it's a false summit. So you get close, you go, I see the top, I'm, I'm motivated, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going. And then you get there and then you, and then you see the slightly less inclined, but you see the real summit and you're like, oh God, you've got 20 more mo- minutes of, of hiking up these things to go. Your legs are burning. The air's thin, your lungs are burning. It was a very difficult experience just walking up it. And some people run those things, it's crazy. They're insane people. So 
the idea of having a false summit in your rehab, especially for pitching, and again, I've never torn my ACL. I don't have these other things. Uh, but in Tommy John, there's a false summit. So the false summit is around 10 months, nine, nine, 10 months, depending on the person. And it's a false summit because you get your velocity back. You're allowed to throw curveballs. You're allowed to throw up sliders, chain-ups, whatever it is. But when you get your velocity back, that's like the false summit because you feel like you're there. And if you're like me, that happened in, gosh, like June of my, both of my surgeries. And I'm like, baseball season's going. I can do this. I can make it because I throw 92 again. No, <laughs> like you're so far from actually being done that it just becomes this, a, an, another incredibly frustrating situation where you feel like you can go out there and do it. Like you're on the sidelines. Like I want to go run. Like, you know, like I want to go run with the other, other kids and play and you can't, you know, you could run out there and throw a couple 92 mile power heaters uh, in some general vicinity to the catcher without any real command um, you could maybe throw a curveball for a strike, probably not. Maybe throw a chain up for a strike, probably not. They'd both probably suck. And the next day, you'd be really sore. You might have a little pain. And then you probably couldn't pitch for like a whole another five days or a week because your body's just still not used to it. So you like have the skill back and like you can throw hard, but you can't command it. You can't slow the game down like you used to. It still takes time to be used to game speed. You've like no command of your off speed stuff, whether it's your curveball slider, chain up, whatever it is like very like very little command of that and you still have a long way to go bouncing back to withstand the rigors of a college or high school or pro season so obviously like in pro ball especially in independent ball it's the most cutthroat place to come back because they don't like they're not just gonna be like oh it's fine like especially in independent ball where you're only there to win games because it's individual management like the team's own the team ownership has to put fans in the stands to because they're just a viable business. They're not going to hold your hand. If you can't pitch and pitch when they need you to pitch, then you just can't play on the team. You know, if, if you're an affiliated ball and they care about you and they're having you come back, like you'll do some rehab starts and all that stuff. Obviously, the big leaguers, they do a bunch of rehab starts in minor league baseball and then come back up if they ever make it back up. Um, and in the minor leagues, it's a similar situation, but those guys have it. They have to perform pretty much right away, too. Uh, I know tons of teammates who, as soon as they're done their Tommy John rehab, like they get cut, and that was how it went for them. Or they got another year, but they just they still get judged on the same criteria. So no one really comes back, and they're statistically the same right away, right? So if you uh, you know you play your season in Double A, you get Tommy John, you miss a year, you come back, then you're put back in Double A, and now you have a seven ERA or a six ERA or a five ERA instead of the sparkling three ERA they did before. They're like, ah, he can't do it anymore. They get rid of him. You need a whole another year to like reestablish yourself as the guy who like that's like I'm me again. Like I have st I'm statistically me again, uh, even though like. But they as soon as you're capable of running out there and throwing 92 with your slider for strikes and this, then you're back in there and you're pretty much graded on the same things that everyone else is. And if you're not a really high money guy or a, high, a guy they really will continue to invest their time in and let you come back fully, which will probably take more like two seasons than one season. Um, you're probably just going to be gone. I know a lot of my teammates who'd had Tommy John, that was their story. You know, they came back, they got some time with their team again, but they didn't pitch super well or they pitched just kind of mediocre. And then that was it. So it's unfortunately very cutthroat. And in indie ball, obviously, there was no rehab starts for me. It was, can he pitch or can he not pitch? And so 
this idea of like, hey, I'm gonna like, I'm ready. I can throw 92. Like I'm ready to go back in. If you go back in there and you suck, that's just it. Like that might be the end of your career. And I, as I look back on my own career, I, I realize like how slippery of a precipice I was probably walking on. Right? You know, I, I came back um, in 2010. That was my rookie season. That was the first time I pitched since college because I got Tommy John to end my college career, missed the whole next season, then came back and started in pro baseball. So I was starting back in a higher level than I'd ever pitched in, which is pro ball. And uh, I had to just like be good at it from right, right then. I hadn't pitched competitively since college. So obviously that's the same story with a lot of guys, but they you know, were healthy in college. They graduate, then they get their chance in, in pro ball. So still held to the same standard, which is fine. And I was lucky that I did well. My second time, it was kind of the same situation. I missed, a, I got an August surgery, missed the whole next year, then came back and uh, I got cut in my first spring training back. And then I caught on with the team two weeks later when they needed a replacement pitcher. And there I was, I was like, I, I had to pitch well right then or a couple of weeks later, I'd be released too. And that would probably be the end of me. So it's, uh, it's, it becomes pretty tough to say I'm ready like now versus some earlier time when you're not truly ready. And I had a story like that too. So in uh, my second surgery, I came back in June. Well, I didn't come back in June. In June, I was throwing 92, 94 again, something like that. And uh, I threw, you know, after I finished my formal rehab at like the nine month mark, you start to go like throw in simulated games. You start to pitch in adult league games or whatever it is to try to like get up to true full speed, like adrenaline speed. And so I started doing that, and the first time out, I was pitching in a local men's league in Colfax, Illinois, which I don't even know where that town is, but uh, I got out there, you know, I just subbed for a local team, and it was my goal just to do like three or four of these and then be done and then go try out and make the team and, uh, and start back up. Right around the 12-month mark was my goal, somewhere in, in August. And so I pitched this first outing, and I, I expected to go three innings because I had thrown sim, sim games in my academy of like one to two innings, and I was fine. I was throwing hard. I was throwing like 88 to 90, something like that, which was good, especially for indoors because I've never been able to throw more than like 90 indoors. So I go out, and uh, it really pissed me off. I talked to this, this catcher who was like a Division two or Division three catcher, like nice enough kid. Um, go out there my first inning, and I'm just like letting it, absolutely just letting it eat. So I, I knew, I was like, Rule number one is if this is 100%, it needs to be true 100%. I have to let it go, like fully let it go. So my first goal in that first like competitive, you know, adult men's league game out in the cornfield, you know, just wives and girlfriends in the stands, I was going to throw it as absolutely as hard as I could possibly throw it. And I knew that was going to come with no command because I'd done this before as my second surgery. And so I did. So I went out there and I just threw the absolute piss out of the ball. And threw enough strikes to like get through the inning fine. Like I don't know, had a strikeout or two. I don't really remember. And I, I like sit down, and my business partner at Warbur, Lucas, was there. I asked him to come and just like video me and do some radar gun. He brought our stalker gun um, because I just wanted to have a, an idea of like where I was. And I asked the catcher, I was like, "Hey, uh, what do you feel like I am velocity wise?" He's like, "Oh, probably like you know, 85, 88, something like that." And I'm like, "Okay." Now, some guys have good radar guns, like internal radar guns. Some guys don't. And what really what really pissed me off was that this was a Division three like, catcher. Um, 
And I'm not knocking on Division Three baseball. There's some exceptional Division Three baseball and some exceptional programs, exceptional players. But he doesn't see 94 very often in Division Three baseball. It's like not that often, especially this was four or five years ago. Um, and for him to say that I was 85 to 88 when I was actually 92 to 94, it's like made no sense to me. It's like, dude, I throw harder than probably any kid you'd caught all season or or hit against all season. And you tell me that it's like the same velocity as that? It's like 85? Like no one mistakes 94 for 85. So it was, it was irritating. Just a side note. But uh, to get back on track here. I intended to throw three innings. In the second inning, I kept going along, and I started to get elbow pain like about halfway through, and I wasn't throwing a ton of strikes, so like the inning kind of labored on. I think I allowed a hit and uh, like an error behind me, and I was like, I got to get off this mound. And so finally, I uh, I finished the inning, but I was like pretty much like my dogs are barking. I was ready to get off, and uh, so like that was kind of the story where it's like, all right, I can throw hard. And I was really excited that my velocity was like back, but, and I expected to probably be around 90 that day. I did not expect to be way above 90, like 92, 94 was my pre-surgery peak. And, uh, just have that the very first time out was like, I was like, wow, I might throw 98 when I'm all like said and done. Um, I didn't, but you know, whatever. So for me being 92, 94 that day was like really exciting, but it was again, still a, a false summit because. I feel like, okay, I've got the velocity. Now I can, if I have like six more weeks, like I'll be ready to pitch. And so that was the mindset that I had after that game, which was not really the right mindset to have because it was catching on the end of the summer. So this was like middle of June and my goal, and I called my, the guy who acts as my agent, I always want to just call my agent because it's just easier than explaining that. This guy was really just an advisor for me for my whole career, but I was never, I was a plebeian. So I never really had an agent. He never, uh, it was never an official agreement, but he was like always in my corner. He'd make calls, get me places. He'd drive me to tryouts, all that stuff. Um, so I called Bob and I said, Hey, uh, this is how it went today. Like, do you think you can get me a tryout? Do you think I can catch on with a team by the end of the summer? He said, yeah, like, we'll see. So he made some calls. I called my other manager, Andy and Brooks from, uh, Evansville and normal, um, respectively. And I said, Hey, do you think I can catch on with one of the Atlantic League teams? I know you guys know a bunch of teams there, and I know you said you'd you know, maybe make a call for me when I was healthy. Like, do you think you could think you could do that? And he said, absolutely, absolutely. Like, just you let me know. Just keep throwing. Let me know when you're ready, and we'll make we'll make the call. So, a um, couple months later, like in maybe early August, I figured it was time because the Atlantic League season ends the second or third week of September. If I catch one for the last month, pitch well then i like set myself up to be like ready to, you know for next season Estab- kind of establish myself on the team that was the plan and so all went to sort of sort of went to plan kept throwing uh andy made a call for me they invited me up to throw said hey if you're better than one of the guys that we have you know we'll take you it's all it's all ready to go so i go up there and i'm probably the same i'm like low 90s Command was okay. They had me thrown in a, in a in pregame. So they were in September. They already clinched the playoffs, I think. And uh, they had me throw against their guys in BP. So I went out there throw. Most guys were just taking. They are just watching them come in. A couple guys swung, but not many. And my command was okay. My curveball was okay. My changeup was, like, not really there. And uh, I really want to make that team. I want to make it really bad. I want to just, like, go up there and, like, stick. And afterwards, they're like, you know, like – you look good. You got a good fastball, and uh, 
we just don't think you're quite there yet, but we're going to give you a spring training invite. We'll give you a contract for next spring training. And I was disappointed because I wanted to make that team. But as I drove back with my agent, call my agent, he was like, why are you disappointed? I'm like, because I, I want to play. Like I want to, I thought I could do this and I thought I could make that team. And he's like, do you really think that? Like really deep down, do you really think that? Do you really think you were ready? And I looked down at my arm as we were in a Suburban driving back to Maryland. And uh, I was like kind of getting a little sore. And I'm like, like in my heart I knew. I'm like, no, you're, you're probably right. He's like, yeah, I'm right. He's like, what were you going to do? You're going to go there and get, you know, as a reliever, you're going to get, what, four innings in this month? And uh, if they had asked you to pitch two days in a row, could you have done it? And I'm like, no, probably not. He's like, yeah, so you're going to go there, pitch four innings, maybe probably not be your best because your command was okay like you throw hard but um like what were you going to get he's like you got you came here to get set up for next year you got your contract so you did like you're you're there you came here to do what you came here and you did what you wanted to do and i agreed so at that point it was over for that summer it was over i was not going to return to baseball that summer it was a huge disappointment because i wanted to compete and I wanted to feel like I was back in the game, but I just really wasn't ready. I could throw hard. I could throw a curveball. It wasn't my best version. Um, and my chain up like wasn't really there. My command was like whatever. And I could really just only pitch. I could pitch Monday for like an inning and then pitch again maybe Thursday. But again, that's not, that's not the rigors of, especially not of a pro baseball player. It's not of a college player either. Like when you're a reliever, they call your name a lot and they don't consider like, oh, he needs a little more time. He, like, they'll ask you from day to day, like, hey, are you good to go again today? Or, like, do you need a day? Like, be honest, if you need a day, I'll give you a day. But, I mean, throughout my next couple of seasons as a reliever, I pitched four out of six days sometimes, five out of seven days. The last the last week of my first season, I pitched six, six, uh, six days out of my last eight, partly because I was volunteering for because I wanted to. But um, that stuff's rough. You know, pitching three days in a row, I did that a couple of times. It's, uh, it's not easy. And you have to be fully ready to do all that stuff. That's, that's the true demands of the job. Throwing a baseball hard is not the demands of the job. Throwing strikes is not the demands of the job. It's all this other stuff. It's having command, not control. It's, having, it's being able to throw all your stuff for strikes. It's being able to pitch on consecutive days, being able to make every scheduled start that they ask of you. It's, be able, it's being able to be a full-time baseball player again or being a full-time soccer player full-time basketball player whatever your injury your sport is it's about being full-time again without any restrictions that's when you're ready and that's why there's that false summit because you can do a lot of the things you used to be able to do you can sprint in a straight line five months after acl surgery but can you outrun someone on the soccer field and, and cut and steal the ball from them and slide tackle them if you need to no, like probably not, right? It's that that stuff is farther away. Can you do that for a whole game? Probably not, right? That's the problem with a lot of these uh, these surgeries is that you get that false summit and you feel like you're ready to go. And sometimes you jump the gun. You're like ready to compete. And maybe someone lets you lets you do it and you hurt yourself again, or you just set yourself back, or then you start playing this mental game where you're like. You go out and you, you try to do it and then you're set back and then you're like, oh, you start to worry about your arm. You start to like coddle yourself. It's it's really tough to start to throttle up and throttle down. Like, am I okay? Am I not okay? Because that's the other big thing that's hard about surgery is that when you are 
getting pain, which you inevitably, invariably get pain, you always ask yourself the same question. Am I hurt? Did I re-hurt it? Did I, do I need surgery again? That's the biggest question I get from a lot of the guys that I work with. And I do remote consulting with some injured, injured players. And I like doing that because there's so many uncertainties that's just not in a set program. It's not objective. It's like, let's just talk through it, that kind of stuff. And you need someone to talk through it with you. But most of the time, the answer is, Let's wait and see how it feels tomorrow or in a couple of days. And if it still feels really bad, then maybe we need to like wait a week or like you're set back a little bit, but it could feel really bad today. And if it doesn't feel nearly as bad tomorrow, it feels like it's cleared up a lot and then you're probably fine. There's so much abnormal stuff that goes on in a surgery because your body's all messed up now. Like your body's never going to be the same. And that's some of the best advice I ever got. I got it at the two different ASMI uh, injury and baseball clinics, which I spoke at last year and I attended as an attendee two years prior to that. And it was the same guy, Stan Conti. If you don't know Stan Conti, he's, uh, used to be the Dodgers, uh, head athletic trainer. And he's still like highly respected mind in the baseball injuries world. I think he does consulting now. He has his own company, but he's real blunt. He's been through it a million times. And I was just like chatting with him both, both times. And I picked his brain a little bit and he's like, here's the things to remember. Cause I told him that my first year back uh, after my second surgery, I had this weird injury. I was like doing fine. I think it was like my fifth start. I had like a finger injury where I like in the middle of my start, my form started cramping like one muscle, like really narrow muscle, like in the middle of my form started cramping where like my hand was like doing this. I like couldn't open my fingers, to, like get around the ball. And I tried to pitch through it and then finally I couldn't. And I like had like almost like carpal tunnel for like two and a half weeks. I was on the DL. And then I came back and it was fine, never happened again. Now they took this ligament out, or not this ligament, they took the cadaver graft out of my arm from here, from my uh, palmaris longus tendon, and that was probably the thing. So like throughout my entire rehab coming back, no issues. And then I get in a game, no issues. And then f my fifth start, suddenly I have this weird, mysterious like cramping, and they're like, oh, it's it's a, uh, you know, it's it's flexor carpi tendonitis or whatever. And I'm like why? And they're like, I don't know. And so I talked to Stan about it. I'm like, do you think that was related to my, uh, you know, the weird thing? Like, do you think that was related to them taking out my Palmaris? And he's like, look, here's the thing to remember. They went in there with a knife, like you tore a ligament. They went in there with a knife. They drilled holes in you. They stitched you up. They cut your muscle in half. They then stitched it back together. They did all this crazy stuff in your elbow. And, and you, you expect it to be normal. He's like, your elbow will never be normal again. There will just be things that will happen to your elbow that will be completely unexplainable. That And that's just how it is. He's like, that's how it is for all these guys. And they a lot of times freak out. And uh, they're like, what's the cause? Like, why did this happen? And he's like, there is no cause. He's like, they're just it's just like your body's messed up. And they put it back together, but it's never going to be the same. And so this weird stuff is going to happen from time to time. And sometimes it's going to be completely unexplainable. And that's just the answer. It's like, I don't know. You had a weird thing with your wrist and it was just a weird thing that happened. And then it went away and it never came back. He's like, no way to know what happened. And I'm like, all right, that makes sense. And, and that's part of the really difficult um, mental game that surgeries play with you. It's like, why, why is this happening? Is this soreness, amount of soreness okay? Why did I do everything right this week? And my arm felt great. And then I continue to do the same things next week. And then my arm feels like crap. 
like no real good reason. Like they're just, it just continues to react in a strange way until it's just like completely behind you. And that, and when it's completely behind you is very unique depending on who you are, you know? So it might be completely behind me at month 14. It might be completely behind someone else at month 19. It just really depends on the person and when they kind of get to their personal finish line because everyone's personal finish line tends to be different. And so that's the whole big battle between months like, so if it's specifically for like a throwing injury, like a labrum or Tommy John, like for months like six to, to forever, like six to 12, but really like six to 18, it's just this battle of my command sucks. I can't bounce back very fast. My arm hurts. My arm gets sore. My arm doesn't hurt. My arm's not sore. Uh, I throw a chain up. So my arm gets more sore. My throw curveballs. My arm gets less sore. I, I did this. I did that. Am I ready for this? Am I ready for that? It's just this whole like grab bag of random stuff. And you're like, is this all okay? And this is like, I don't know. Let's talk to someone about it. Let's think logically and pragmatically about it. And okay. It sounds like, well, you did all of your scheduled stuff. You didn't do too much. You didn't do anything new. Right, but you did what we think is appropriate for you at this point, and you didn't overdo it. So, but you got really, really sore and have a little pain. So you're probably fine, but we probably just need to see how it goes for a day or two. That's like a lot of the process from like months six to twelve. It's all just like kind of going by feel, and there's no like necessarily like this great playbook for it. And that's what's really frustrating and tough, and it's really tough to navigate it. Uh, just by yourself without some sort of guide, whether it's your coach or other players who've been through it or your PTs really done a lot of them, whatever it is. And it's tough because your doctor's inaccessible, but really your doctor, his role is to like repair you and then give you to the next people, right? And if you call your doctor and you're freaking out, oh, my arms hurt, like he's not gonna do another MRI. He's not gonna go back in there and just like cut you open and like see if he's gonna be like, well, just give it some time and see how it feels. And if it just like is like completely shot or something, then maybe they'll... MRI and then people will do re-injure them occasionally, but in general, they just kind of throw their hands up. And so you just realize like, okay, doctor's not going to really say much if I have like day-to-day stuff. Uh, what does the PT say? They, they say, say, wait and see, you know, let's check it up in a, in a day or two or two days or three days. Or let's give it a week and then we'll see. It's all just like, okay, we'll see. How does it feel now? And you're just throttling up and throttling down, throttling up and throttling down. And that's the bulk of those last six months, the six to 12, where it's just just touch and go, navigating by feel and trying not to go insane because it's really hard to say, I did everything right this week and my arm feels worse. How could that be? You know, there's not a good reason for it. So that's, uh, that's kind of been on my mind a little bit because I've gotten, like I said, a lot of questions. I appreciate the questions, especially on Instagram. I put up a little thing in my story once in a while, say, ask me, Q&A stuff and I can 10 second reply and I've enjoyed that but it's it's basically it's a really long process and so much of coming back from a surgery is mental that that's just it's a really underrated aspect of it that way you forget how mental it is coming back from a surgery and it's just because you really have to just continue to keep your eyes up and on the horizon and not worry too much about the day to day but at the same time just like keep moving forward every slight amount until one day you're like oh wait that didn't seem that bad like it's baseball season again and i'm back one day you kind of wake up and i remember this would be my last little anecdote here is that in my second surgery i uh 
I, I had pain, like I had like no pain, like months, I think one through eight. And I, to be honest, I'll have to check this again. I'm pretty sure this is accurate. Month one through eight, I was like pretty good. And then suddenly I just like started having pain. It's like stuck with me in my elbow. And I just was like, God, every time I throw, I'm, I can tell I'm fine, but it just like hurts. And I'm tired of it hurting. And it like wears on you every time it like hurts. And you, that little nagging voice is like, maybe it's hurt again or like whatever. Maybe you need to take more days off. But nothing I did seemed to make, make a dent. It just like kept kind of hurting. And then finally, I, you know, I just kept throwing through it because you had like mild, low level pain. And it would sometimes like just come and go. Sometimes it would be there when I started, then it would go away when I warmed up, or sometimes when I warm up, when I or when I would warm up, it would get worse. There was like no rhyme or reason, but I just had consistent kind of low, like a three or four out of ten kind of elbow pain. And uh, one day, I just didn't have it anymore, and I didn't even realize it. I'd just been throwing through it for like a couple months, and uh, one day I just didn't have it. And then a couple weeks went by, and I was like, wait my elbow doesn't hurt. And then I started thinking back. I'm like, it didn't hurt last time either. And it didn't hurt the previous time. My elbow hasn't hurt in like a couple weeks. And it was like this like head slap moment. It's like, whoa, my elbow doesn't hurt. And sometimes it's just like that where you just learn to like, okay, it's, this is just what it feels like for right now. I just keep gritting it out. And you stop to like, you, you stop paying attention to that crying child that is the pain in your shoulder, or your elbow or your knee. And then uh, before you realize it, just like it stopped. And you're good. And uh, same thing with the soreness at the end. Like you, you, start, you start getting back into like pretty competitive situations where you're pitching someone regularly. But every time you pitch, it like feels kind of crappy the next day or whatever. And some and after a while, suddenly it's like, oh, wait, I pitched yesterday and my arm feels fine. And then you do it again. It's like it still feels fine. And it's just like you're just suddenly there. So... It's a, it's a long battle, and I don't think there's enough out there on the web about it. That's why I put my Tommy John Chronicles into the world. That's why it's still on YouTube. It was probably shot in like 480p, so it's getting uh, more and more dated by the day, blurrier by the day. But, uh, you know, it was something that I couldn't find when I was a player. My first surgery, couldn't find like anything at all. I Googled everything trying to find out like how is, how is the surgery going to go and uh, couldn't find much at all, like no firsthand accounts, and none of my teammates at that point had really like had it or had much to say about it. So uh, I put that out there, and I know lots and lots of people have watched it, and I appreciate that. And I know my responses to people's questions have been varied, to being very positive, being very short, to being very like, dude, you just got to get over it. Um, and I probably need to do better at that, to be perfectly honest with you. But uh, it's a long very misunderstood process still like i don't know that the advice that's out there on the web has changed a ton and i wish more pts and former athletes and strength coaches would would put something out there about it, whether it's an article or a quick video or something uh, just to give people another perspective like my voice is just one but i think there's a lot of people out there who could take a couple quick youtube videos and just give them some of their insight into how many TJ guys they've worked with or ACL guys they've worked with or, you know, ACL girls they've worked with, whatever it was, and just gives them perspective because those people dig. Like I dug, I went to like page 15 of Google. Like no one goes past like page one on Google search results, right? I went deep trying to find stuff. So if you put something out there, if you're a PT listening or if you're a baseball, softball, ACL, like any, any kind of person, former athlete who's been through something, put something out there on the web, do it, put it on YouTube, put it on 
Instagram, but put it out there somewhere where it'll be permanent. That's why I suggest YouTube more than anything else. But you never know. People are going to dig. They're going to try to find the piece of information that they're looking for. And uh, they might find your video. And it might be really obscure. It doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be in beautiful high depth. Just depth. What am I saying? High depth? High depth? Uh, just put something out there because I, I bet you those people will find it because they're, they're, they're starved for answers. They're starved for firsthand experiences. And if you give them something really genuine that you've been through, because it was a hard process for everyone who's been through it. I'm not the only guy who's been through multiple surgeries by any stretch. Uh, it's a very personal process. It's very difficult. And if you put something out there, like I said, people are scouring the web for those answers. I bet you they'll find it. And it'll mean something to them. So Anyway, hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, shoot me a question. Send me an email. Message me on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or Snapchat or whatever. Let me know what else I can talk about in these podcasts because I want to make them for you if you're listening. And uh, yeah, see you next week on Dear Baseball Gods.